New charges in the death of George Floyd. The charges former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin murder in the second degree. How Vancouver is preparing for more protests. Allegations of racism in Port Alberni. What the targets say about being taunted. And seniors told to settle down. It's heartbreaking to hear that people are complaining about it. How their outdoor workout sessions upset the neighbors. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with significant developments in the investigation into the death of George Floyd. Updated and more serious charges against the officers involved following what was a mostly peaceful night of protests across hundreds of American cities. We got all four! We got all four! Protesters breathe a sigh of relief. Wednesday afternoon, the Minnesota Attorney General announcing charges against all of the officers on scene when George Floyd died in custody. Three officers now facing charges of aiding and abetting a homicide. And the man at the center of the investigation, former officer Derek Chauvin, has now been charged with second-degree murder. I believe the evidence available to us now supports the stronger charge of second-degree murder. The big question remains whether the charges take the violence out of the protests that have swept across the U.S. Wednesday, from Washington, D.C. to New York and California, demonstrators maintained an uneasy truce with police and National Guard troops. But curfews remain in place, and people in the streets don't seem to be backing down. Why is he spending money on that type of resources instead of taking care of what we're asking him to. He's not listening. Uh-oh, uh-oh, people are throwing. There were sporadic clashes with police Tuesday night. In Seattle, police responded to belligerent protesters with flashbangs. But for the most part, across the United States, protests, even well into the night, remained peaceful. Guys, back, back up, up. The fallout from Monday's publicity stunt in front of the White House continues to shake the U.S. administration. The Secretary of Defense coming out highly critical of what happened to protesters in Lafayette Square and the threat to use the military to quell violent demonstrations. The option to use active duty forces in a law enforcement role should only be used as a matter of last resort and only in the most urgent and dire of situations. I do not support invoking the Insurrection Act. At the scene of Floyd's death in Minneapolis, his son made an appearance appealing for calm. This is so, so emotional. And no, no man or woman should, uh, should be without their fathers. We want justice. And we want justice for what's going on right now. That justice could be months away, if not years. The attorney general promising a thorough investigation, but wouldn't commit to a timeline. All four officers charged with Floyd's death have now been taken into custody. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Witnessing the unrest south of the border and in Montreal has some Vancouver businesses hoping for the best, but planning for the worst. One retail giant has already boarded up its premises and other shops are following suit, concerned about potential looting. As Sarah McDonald reports, while protests here have remained peaceful, businesses believe it's better to be safe than sorry. The boards are back up at some big businesses in downtown Vancouver. 
But this plywood isn't pandemic related. With scenes like this surfacing from some protests against systemic racism and police brutality in the United States and Canada. Some companies aren't taking any chances with a peaceful protest planned in the province's most lucrative financial district on Friday. With respect to businesses uh, taking actions to protect their property, I'll leave that to them. I do understand the, the motivation and the desire for people to have their voices heard at this most extraordinary time in our world history. Nordstrom says this is all a precautionary measure. The company closing more than 300 locations out of what it calls an abundance of caution after its flagship location in Seattle and another store in Los Angeles were vandalized and looted over the weekend. The organizers of the upcoming demonstration, the same people behind this one on Sunday. People came there with smiles on the face. People came there with a goal to want to talk. Which drew thousands to the downtown core and went off without a hitch. That's the plan for Friday, which organizers and attendees insist will be peaceful too. For people who are boarding up their places, it's a smart it's a smart idea to do in case anything goes wrong. If I was a business owner, I would do the same. With Corona already here, we've already lost money in businesses and we don't need damages. But like I'd like to say again, people are wanting peace. That includes Vancouver police, officers working with organizers to ensure the focus remains on constructive dialogue. We do know it's volatile in many different cities around the world. We are working with the coordinators and they want to get a peaceful message out. They want to be able to protest peacefully and be, keep people well behaved. And ensuring the right to protest is exercised without the need for these. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Police forces in our province are joining the call to speak out against racism and hate. BC police chiefs and their agencies from both municipal and RCMP have been tweeting out a pledge to uphold and promote diversity and to oppose racism and hate in all its forms. This, of course, follows the death last week of George Floyd while in police custody in Minneapolis and the charges announced today against all four of the officers involved in his arrest. A racist act is sending shockwaves through a Vancouver Island community tonight. The incident caught on camera is sparking public outcry from Port Alberni and First Nations leaders. Catherine Urquhart has reaction and a warning. This story contains some content that might be disturbing for some viewers. This is home for more than 1,200 Seishot, the First Nation located in Port Alberni. It's a community that is now reeling after being the target of a racist incident. It was very unfair in that uh, a few individuals took it upon themselves and made people feel unsafe in their homes. Early Tuesday morning, someone drove this white truck onto their property. And then this. Understandably, Seishop members are upset, as is this entire community. We know that we have challenges with racism in this community, as a lot of communities do, but um, to actually see it happening and, and thinking about the people living in those homes waking up to that at 1 a.m. Um, was really just heartbreaking. We want to reach out to those young people and say, you're always welcome on our land, but not like that. Tuesday night, the mayor joined First Nations members as they work to heal 
and educate people about racism. People reclaimed their strength and uh, showed that, you know, we are here to support one another and we are all in this together. I want them to know that we're praying for them. And our, door, our doors, my doors, I'm going to speak for myself, my doors open for them to come, to come and learn if they want to apologize. Port Alberni RCMP say they've met with Seishat leaders about the troubling act of racism and they are actively investigating. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. A Vancouver police constable is under investigation following a complaint by a former girlfriend. It stems from an incident when the couple was on vacation. And as Rumina Dea tells us, the Office of the Police Complaints Commissioner says the woman's initial grievance was not handled properly. I genuinely thought I was going to die that night. Alyssa Leblevic says she and her now ex-boyfriend, VPD Constable Neil Logan, were on a romantic getaway in Seaside, Oregon in September 2017. Logan, too intoxicated after a night out, Leblevic says. So she drove them back to their hotel. En route, an argument erupted. Something just snapped, started punching his windshield. Eventually, he turned and smacked me across the side of my face while I was still driving. Leblevic, 28, alleges the abuse continued back in the room. He was holding me down on the bed, shaking me, screaming in my face, tell me you love me, tell me we can fix this. And, and grabbed me and put his arm around my neck into a chokehold and I couldn't breathe. She filed a complaint with the Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner in BC. The OPCC found it admissible and asked the Vancouver Police's professional standards section to investigate one of their own. The result, a recommended 15-day suspension without pay. The outcome rejected by the commissioner. A second review done by another VPD investigator suggested a six-day suspension without pay, plus 12 sessions with a psychologist. The outcome also rejected by the OPCC. The Leblevic file is the second complaint against Logan. The officer is accused of assaulting a man in his residence while on a call in April 2016. Logan remains on duty. The VPD not commenting because both matters are still before the OPCC. He should not be a police officer. I mean, he has two active cases right now before the police complaints commissioner, uh, both for violent assaults, one for excessive force, and then my situation. Leblevic tells us she came forward to protect the next girl. The OPCC has appointed two retired judges to review both matters. Logan has not been charged with any criminal offences. The officer and his lawyer did not respond to our emails. Romina Dea, Global News. Now we'll take a look at the latest COVID-19 numbers for the province. We have 22 new cases today which brings our total to 2,623. Sadly, one more death in Langley Lodge, which means 166 people have now died from complications of the virus in B.C. There are 32 people in hospital, seven of them in ICU, and 2,243 people have fully recovered from COVID-19. The premier indicated today he is pleased so far with what he's seeing in schools as the province slowly reopens. But there are still more questions than answers about how things will look come fall. Keith Baldry has more on the factors at play and what you should know before booking that B.C. getaway this summer. 
Okay, welcome everyone. Uh, this is uh, my weekly media availability. Taking advantage of good weather, Premier John Horgan was outside today to cover a multitude of issues. One of the first, when is it advisable to travel again? I would expect in the middle of June we're going to be looking at uh, further easing of restrictions and starting into, into phase three or stage three of the restart. But I don't want to give people false hope. Uh, anything could happen. He noted classes have resumed this week and they are a dry run of what to expect in the fall. Will there be changes come September? That's the point of having a, a slow restart right now. We'll be able to inform parents throughout the summer, which is not atypical uh, for the K-12 uh, year. You find out just before Labor Day what's going on or just after Labor Day. That's the way it's always been. I suspect that's the way it will always be. And a pet NDP issue, affordable childcare, is now seen as critically important to getting things moving again. We will have, over the summer, the opportunity to look at how we can have in-class learning for, for students in the K-12 system and also childcare at schools because we have the infrastructure there. We can redouble our efforts to make sure that quality, affordable, accessible childcare is there for all British Columbians. And there has been some movement on one of Horgan's key priorities, <laughs> paid sick leave for everyone. We've made great progress there. and. Uh, the details are yet to be worked out, but I, I go back to how we've approached this federal-provincial interaction going back to uh, the end of February, the beginning of March, and the level of collaboration has been unprecedented. I think for those who've watched uh, federal-provincial relations uh, over the decades, uh, there's no comparable experience to what we're going through right now. All right, Keith Baldry joins us live from Victoria. Keith, the Premier has that weekly call with the Prime Minister mm -hmm. on all things COVID-19. You've learned some details about the restart framework that's about to be announced. Yeah, this is the plan being worked on by Justin Trudeau and the Premiers. They get together virtually, you just saw a picture there, uh, through Zoom and other means, uh, once a week on Thursday, and they go over their list of priorities. So they've come up with something what's called the Safe uh, Restart uh, Framework. Here's the elements of what we're talking about and what they're trying to talk about as well. It's a joint federal provincial program. It includes such things as more resources for contact tracing and personal protection equipment, uh, more funding to support childcare for workers, uh, more funding for municipalities and transit, and of course paid sick leave, which is a, a key priority for J John Horgan. The Premier tells me progress is being made on this. We expect to have a more formal announcement soon. Uh, now tomorrow, uh, we're going to get some more information on COVID-19. That's going to be the regular briefing from Dr. Bonnie Henry and Health Minister Adrian Dixon. We're going to get some interesting modelling and we'll show what's going on on potentially in the Fraser Health Authority because 75% of all the COVID-19 cases since May 1st have been in Fraser Health Authority, not the rest of the province. We'll have that tomorrow afternoon. All right, looking forward to that. Thanks, Keith. Right. A small victory today for a group of seniors who fight boredom and try to improve fitness with outdoor workout sessions. Someone complained about the noise and the senior's home was threatened with fines for loud music. But as John Waugh reports, they got a bit of a reprieve today. All the little birds on Street. As the music soared through the air, it was a chance for seniors in Amica White Rock to get a groove on during this pandemic. Laughing and clapping and just having so much fun. They're getting these 60, 70, 80 year old people out doing aerobics on their balcony. I mean, how cool is that? But it didn't take long for these rockin' robins to have their wings clipped by a noise complaint. It only takes one person to, you know, wreck it for others. Actually, it was two people. 
who complained from the building across this already busy and noisy street, forcing the city of Surrey to threaten fines if the twice-daily half-hour dance sessions weren't stopped. These people can go to the grocery store, they can go to the beach, they can go up to the Starbucks that is open again. My mom can't leave her unit, basically. She's been in there for coming up on four months now. According to staff and family, the residents were heartbroken that the only sounds they could hear from their balconies now just reminders of what they couldn't do. It's just really difficult for them to comprehend why they can't have a little music in their lives. But it didn't take long for the city of Surrey to change its tune. Writing in a statement, the city has worked with Amica White Rock to find a solution that will address the complaints received from the public. Effective immediately, the exercise classes have been moved to the mornings. So in the end, it's the early bird that gets the last word. And these seniors plan to let their moves do all the talking. John Hua, Global News. Well, workout facilities get a grip on the new normal. One of the biggest is ready to welcome members again. The heavy lifting to keep everyone safe from COVID-19 in just over a minute. Road rage at the drive through window that'll have you wondering, what's the beef? How one customer lost it during a tirade coming up on the news hour. Also tonight, he should have seen it coming. A security camera captures a driver barreling toward disaster later. Right now, though, keeping a lid on COVID isn't easy in a place where people are breathing heavily and sweating. But more and more gyms say they're going to give it a try. And as Linda Aylesworth reports, like so many other experiences, working out might never be quite the same again. Good to go. Fitness buffs rejoice. Many of your gyms are reopening, among them Club 16. We're excited to be open. We've got uh, 14 clubs across the lower mainland, 100,000 members, welcoming them back into a safe environment. Safe because of protocols to maintain two meters of separation and reduce the spread of COVID-19. We've got directional signage, one-way signage, uh, one-way in the club, one-way out of the club. To keep the crowding down, they're also asking members to schedule their workouts online. Workouts that are limited to one hour. Another change? We actually marked off every other piece of equipment. So what you'll see here in the background, even though these machines are next to each other, only half of them are operational. And then there's the issue of hygiene. Uh, locker rooms are, are not open. We're encouraging people not to bring bags into the clubs just for hygiene. But we're asking the members to clean the uh, equipment before and after use, but we also have you know, full-time cleaning staff that's here and then also representatives on the floor that are also assisting with cleaning. Dynasty Gym, there are similar protocols that members are gradually adapting to. When they first come in, they're a little more hesitant, um, kind of interacting and stuff like that. But what I found um, was over the last week, people started feeling more comfortable and are interacting more. But there's another challenge, that is adapting to the new fiscal reality. We're happy to get the gym going and, and you know, get cash flow flown in again. But once again, it's another thing to try to figure out this new normal and make it work for the business. Fortunately, one of the best ways to deal with stress is exercise. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Up next, the big change that could be coming to Stanley Park. There is a big demand uh, for people to walk and cycle. The move that could make more room for walkers and riders. Also tonight, why Vancouver's plan for drinking in public goes down the drain. Traffic is in good shape both ways over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Do keep in mind there's overnight maintenance that causes lane closures between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. 
Bank securely from anywhere, anytime with CIBC. Whether it's paying bills, depositing checks, or transferring money in Canada and around the world, with CIBC you can do it all 24-7. Interest you listening Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. The dream of being able to legally enjoy a beer a or a glass of wine in a Vancouver plaza or other public space is dead, at least for now. A motion to loosen the city's liquor rules was defeated at council last night. But as Ted Chernecki reports, sipping a drink at city beaches and parks could still become a reality. Until Monday, Quebec was the only province in Canada to allow consumption of alcohol in public places. Last night, Vancouver City Council, with a tied vote, defeated a motion to allow the same here. Those against the idea pointed to Vancouver's Chief Health Officer, Patricia Daly, who warned that B.C. has a culture of binge drinking. Dr. Daly had referenced that there was a cultural component to this and that how Quebec had a culture that could allow liberal drinking laws because they didn't have that binge drinking culture that we have. But I'd argue that, that as, a, as a city and as a province, we've actually demonstrated that we can be responsible and do a, a, a fundamental culture shift by responding to this pandemic as we have. Victoria Park in North Vancouver is one of the city's new designated areas that will allow public consumption on a bring-your-own-bottle basis. Another is the Lonsdale Key area where there's a wide open space and washroom facilities. Yes, they have outdoor patios already, but the summertime trial will allow the public to venture past those confined spaces. North Vancouver is boldly going where most of the rest of the civilized world has been for decades. Rode the Shinkansen in Japan drinking beer that I picked up off a kiosk at the train station and I wasn't a drunken Lugan. I was uh, having a nice beer on a, on a bullet train zipping past Mount Fuji. It was fantastic. But it doesn't look like this will be happening in Vancouver. Even the park board that votes on a proposal on Monday and has twice approved feasibility studies to allow alcohol at some beaches and parks suddenly finds it may not have the legal jurisdiction to do it. Because the board has already previously voted to move forward with the test and asked for various reports, my sense is this motion would likely be ruled out of order by the chair. So I, I, I'm not confident this will go forward, but staff continue to work on the process. Last night's vote was a disappointment for many businesses, especially microbreweries, as they now look towards the province to see if there's a thirst there to change the laws. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Car traffic through Stanley Park has been severely limited during the pandemic, and now a version of the new rules might become permanent. Two park board commissioners want to make it more pedestrian and bike-friendly. But as Nadia Stewart reports, the plan to cut down on vehicle traffic isn't without concerns and complications. The idea of reducing the number of cars driving through Stanley Park being met with mixed reactions. I usually don't ride in Stanley Park, but it was really fun to ride there today. It's nice not having the cars, but I'm sure people like to be able to drive as well, right? I like the fact that there's more room on the seawall, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I don't know why we have to have cars. There's no real destination other than the touristy areas. Cycling advocates say the new normal sets a new standard. This past month has shown us that this park can be a lot more than a congested place. More than 200,000 people cycled through the park since April 8th. So uh, there is a big demand. 
Hub Cycling Executive Director Navdeep China says returning the park to its pre-COVID-19 state could be a missed opportunity. Two Vancouver Park Board Commissioners are proposing staff look at reducing vehicle traffic long term, possibly even reducing roadways to single lanes, while also exploring green transportation options like public transit. Perhaps there could be electric buses that run on a regular basis in the park. The idea that just if we offer a shuttle or I think they even were suggesting bike rickshaws. If you're in a wheelchair, that's not the appropriate thing to do. NPA Park Board Commissioner Trisha Barker says she's hearing from seniors and residents with mobility challenges that keeping the park this way could limit their access even more. This is Vancouver's park. This isn't the West End Park. This is Vancouver's park. To restrict it for people who really need to get in here, that that would just, it's terrible. It's terrible to even think about So Park Board needs to create a platform where all people can share their concerns. Both China and Barker are hopeful everyone will get the chance to weigh in before any long-term changes are made. Nadia Stork, Global News. Up ahead, a former president weighs in on the crisis in America. Although all of us have been feeling pain, uncertainty, disruption, what Barack Obama has to say about the State of the Union. And employees rattled by road rage at the drive through Counterflow is out over here at the Massey Tunnel, back to 2 and 2, and traffic is moving well both ways through the tunnel. Kermac Collision and Autoglass have been family-run and locally owned since 1973. For unmatched quality repairs and exceptional service, choose Kermac. For location information, visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. Former U.S. President Barack Obama speaking out today, directly addressing George Floyd's death. Obama, critical of the violence and the looting, urging protesters to channel their anger into making change. Late tonight, President Obama speaking out during a virtual town hall with young people. I want you to know that you matter. I want you to know that your lives matter, that your dreams matter, and you should be able to learn and make mistakes and live a life of joy. America's first black president directly addressing the families of George Floyd and other African Americans whose deaths have wounded the country. Please know that Michelle and I and the nation grieve with you hold you in our prayers. Uh, We're committed to the fight of creating a more just nation in in memory of your sons and daughters. The former president condemning the violence and looting in recent days, urging demonstrators to channel their anger toward making a change. In some ways, as tragic as these past few weeks have been, as difficult and scary and uncertain as they've been, uh, they've also been an incredible opportunity for people to be uh, awakened. While never mentioning President Trump by name, President Obama is drawing a clear contrast between his efforts to build trust between police and communities of color after Michael Brown's killing in Ferguson, Missouri, and the current administration that he says has rolled back some of his policies. I am urging every mayor in this country to review your use of force policies with members of your community. The past president who recently endorsed his former vice president, Joe Biden, reminding voters change begins at the ballot box. You have the power to make things better. You've communicated a sense of urgency uh, that is as 
powerful and as transformative as anything that I've seen uh, in recent years. Now to a heated incident at a Vancouver Island fast food restaurant. A man accused of flying into a violent rage at a Wendy's in Colwood because his drive through burger was missing mustard. The incident happened yesterday evening. Police allege the disgruntled customer exited his vehicle and began smashing the drive through window's plexiglass barrier, eventually ripping it right off the frame and throwing it underneath another vehicle in the parking lot. He then fled the scene. We're just looking for this male suspect. Um, he's going to be, he's described as a Caucasian in his 50s. Uh, bald head with a reddish brown beard, uh, wearing jeans and a plaid overcoat, and driving away in a blue or gray Toyota Matrix. Luckily, no one was injured in the incident. West Shore RCMP say the man or the wanted man is being investigated for mischief and causing a disturbance. People living in a homeless camp in Vancouver's Crab Park are fighting an eviction injunction. The Vancouver Fraser Port Authority issued an initial injunction saying that dozens of people sleeping in a port-owned parking lot were trespassing and needed to vacate by May 28th. But a B.C. Supreme Court justice granted the homeless group a one-week delay. They will be returning to court Thursday to present their arguments. This new camp popped up after the tent city in Oppenheimer was cleared. Those sleeping in the encampment say if evicted, they will have nowhere safe to go. The May 9th deadline has come and gone, but there are still people living in at least two tent cities around Victoria. So now the B.C. government is spending $15 million to purchase a second motel in the city for housing. But as Brad McLeod reports, that decision came as a shock to the owner of a business located in the same building. I mean, there's great light. Cliff Lear was excited to reinvigorate the diner at the iconic Paul's Motor Inn in Victoria. He put in about $100,000 to revamp the kitschy, greasy spoon, now with organic fare, taking cues from these old pics in its heyday. Paul's packed with Hollywood stars, a far cry from the heartbreak of COVID-19 for restaurateurs. Yeah, I found out a few days ago, still quite shocked and trying to evaluate how to move forward from here. Another blow, the motel his diner is attached to will become a homeless shelter. BC Housing has acquired uh, the Paul's Motor Inn. For a price tag of $15 million. Lair hasn't opened up full epi since COVID hit, but says this news may mean the end of his vision and investment in the area. Sometimes these things integrate into neighborhoods very well and are seamless and, and needed, but uh, other times they can go sideways, even just the public perception of it. BC Housing says they would love for the diner to stay and are open to making it easier for him. Free rent only goes so far. You still got to pay staff. You still got to, you know, pay all the rest of the bills. In the short term, Paul's will provide at least 75 people with homes. In the long term, the site will be developed into permanent housing with community input. There's going to be a tremendous amount of uh, community stakeholders involved with the redevelopment. We didn't get consulted at any point until it, it was done. The spa owner on the property has decided not to reopen. Longtime staff of the motel are saying their goodbyes. Lair doesn't want to leave, but says he has already done his part to revitalize the area once. He says the odds of coming back are slim. Five to ten percent chance. So, I mean, I think something will happen here. I just don't know what it is. Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria. 
In Health Matters tonight, more than a million protective masks will soon be available to those who need it most. Concord Pacific has donated several hundred thousand face masks to three municipalities in Metro Vancouver, Richmond, Vancouver and Burnaby. 100,000 masks are also being given to the province of B.C. The remainder will be distributed to a number of other cities across Canada, in addition to non-profit community groups, including Squamish Nation and Dragon Boat B.C. It's up to each municipality and group how the masks are distributed, but the initiative is intended to help B.C.'s most vulnerable, including those in seniors' homes, people in social housing and frontline workers. And still ahead, heroism comes in many forms. People have got to get together and that's exactly what we're doing. What this 101-year-old Air Force veteran is doing to give back to his community. But first in sports, you want soccer? We got soccer. What MLS is doing to save the season. A Tesla Model 3 drives right into a flip truck on a Taiwan highway. What the driver told police about why he didn't appear to make any attempt to change his course. That's right after Christie's forecast. All right, let's check in with Christy Gordon for a look at that forecast. It was not too bad out there today, Christy, uh, but we've got some precipitation on the way in the next couple of days. <laughs> we sure do. So rain is certainly on deck. We're uh, moving in. It doesn't mean a complete washout at all, but I need to show you the timeline in a second. First, though, a quick look at our flood concerns. Still, uh, we're focusing in on the area in Quinell Williams Lake, where they're still under a flood watch. Now, it's only the rainfall from yesterday that we're still watching coming down the tributaries and streams. And so we still are expecting a peak within the next 24 hours. And then after that, it's likely to get better because we don't have anything significant in terms of rainfall on the way or big warm-up. Now, the south coast, as I mentioned, yes, some rainfall on deck. This system will push in overnight. We do have a slight chance of showers tomorrow morning, and then it should clear out. Friday also looking pretty nice, but I want you to note, this is your weekend, everyone. Big upper-level trough set to push in. That means cooler weather and overall across all of the province and likely unsettled conditions. So that's your Saturday and your Sunday. In the meantime, your Thursday is mainly coastal regions that will see the showers, and that includes the south coast, but mainly in the morning. I am expecting breaks of blue sky tomorrow afternoon as we warm up to highs of about 18 or 19 degrees. Friday looking dry, but also mainly cloudy before the next system pushes on shore, likely Friday night, and that takes us into our cooler, wetter weekend. So just giving you a heads up, everyone, to get prepared. And I'll leave you with our central windows weather window, which is a passing storm from last night. Ellen sent me the, sending me this near Barry, and I love the contrast with the dark clouds, the light clouds, and of course the rainbow in between. Okay, back to you guys. Love a little sliver of rainbow. Good stuff. Thank you, Christy. All right, back to that crazy highway crash in Taiwan. Amazingly, no one was seriously hurt. You can see an overturned truck and someone, potentially the driver, trying to flag the danger for cars. And yet, you see a white Tesla cruising along, not slowing down and crashing right into the overturned truck. Police say the driver of the Tesla claimed to have the vehicle assist system turned on and thought the car would detect the obstacle and automatically brake. I was surprised when it didn't slow down. Surprised? It's an understatement. I think. Well, why not just do it yourself? Or woken up. That's right. Ask any Tesla Model 3 owner, and we happen to know a couple. 
the cars don't do that for you. You still have to drive. Still got to do it yourself. Yeah. I blame too much binging on Fast and Furious movies for that. <laughs> uh, Major League Soccer players and owners have finally agreed on a new labor deal. I'm really happy that this is finally done with. I'm happy that we can get back to play. Which means Jake Nowitzki and his friends can get ready for a league-wide tournament in July. Sounds pretty good. Also tonight, a 101-year-old RCAF veteran making the world a better place one step at a time. All right, uh, we're always thrilled when we get a little bit closer to professional sports starting up again, Squire. Inching closer and closer. Yes, we are. In the summer, it's going to be busy. Uh, After trying to pull off a last-minute change on a labor agreement with the players, and that last-minute change didn't work, Major League Soccer owners decided we should soften our stance. They did that, and today they got a five-year deal with the Players Union that will allow them to play a special tournament next month down in Orlando to help restart the MLS season. When the league came back with another counterproposal, you know, in the, the last hour of, you know, um, negotiating with a new stipulation and a threat of a lockout, it, it upset a lot of guys. It upset the guys, but it didn't break their solidarity. And the league had no choice but to cut a deal despite facing a pandemic-induced deficit. Uh, Major League Soccer will take a billion-dollar revenue hit uh, due to the, uh, the pandemic. And that's because the MLS relies heavily on ticket sales for revenue rather than TV money. So restarting the league with a World Cup-style tournament minus fans is more about reintroducing the sport rather than revenue recovery. Unlike the other leagues, their fan bases are deeply matured and have been around for generations. Uh, but clearly, our absence from, uh, 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 from the sports scene was, was really crucial for us to get back. For the Whitecaps themselves, they can't wait to get away from the individual training, get together as a team, and finally play real games again. Ali Adnan, across and in! We're all just very excited to do what we love again. You know, this is this is something that you know we wanted to do since we were little. We got you know the had the ability to be professional footballers, and what we want to do is play. And we have a great team. We have a good bond between all of us, and we're excited to show you know the U.S. and Canada and the MLS what we got. Well, when the BCHL comes back next season, they would like to continue helping players social distance when they're angry with each other. They are not going to eliminate fighting, but what they are going to do is make players think twice about using bare knuckles to settle any differences. You know, our old threshold of players, they would be allowed uh, five fights. On their fifth fight, they would be suspended. Um, This coming year, we will be moving to on that second occurrence, the second fight, the player will be suspended, and then the increase of of games will grow exponentially off off that. And we're a league that we're, you know, we're developing student-athletes onto Division I hockey, and and that's a a league uh, where there is no fighting. It's not part of the game. So it's certainly where the game's evolving, um, and we feel this is a a great step to, to follow that trend, and we'll continue to evaluate it. 
Continuing with the inching towards pro sports coming back this summer, NBA owners will vote tomorrow on a plan to restart their season with a 22-team tournament. It'll be the top eight teams in each conference and the six teams who were within six games of the eighth and final playoff spots when the league was stopped. The teams would start training camps in late July at the sports complex down at Disney World in Orlando. There you go. All right. Thanks, Squire. Thanks, Squire. Let's check in with Jada Rant for a look ahead to Global News at 11. J.D. Thank you, Sophie. We're on the scene of a major police operation in Coquitlam at this hour. Details are just coming in. And IHIT has been called to investigate a death of a person who was uh, found laying at the side of the highway in the Fraser Canyon this morning and died a short time later. And we'll hear from a B.C. man who survived COVID-19. Atish Ram spent two months in hospital and has a message for anyone who thinks the coronavirus threat has passed. And we're getting late word about a 5.1 earthquake that's rattled San Bernardino County in Southern California. Those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Jay. All right, we'll take a break and have our healthcare hero next, along with the guy who's been on this planet for more than a century and is still serving. That's next. Thanks once again to our BC healthcare heroes still working hard on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic. Tonight, we want to recognize another one of your nominations, and it comes from Alyssa Pittam and Brandon Way. They want to recognize their longtime friend, Brenna Harada, for her dedication to patient care. Brenna is a registered nurse on the general surgery ward at Lionsgate Hospital in North Vancouver. Alyssa and Brandon say she is one of the most compassionate and kind people they know. Characteristics that are especially important right now, given the uncertainty and fear being felt by both co-workers and patients. Unfortunately, Brenna was one of the people to contract COVID-19 on her floor during the Lionsgate Hospital outbreak. Although testing positive was scary at first, she luckily had a mild case and she was able to recover at home. And once she recovered, she went right back to work. That is bravery. Alyssa and Brandon say anyone who knows Brenna knows she loves her work and that she is excellent at what she does. That's why she is their healthcare hero. And tonight, you're also our healthcare hero. Thank you so much for working on the front lines, Brenna. And again, if you have a healthcare hero to nominate, the email address is bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. Send us a story and a few pictures, and they just might be featured on the next news hour as well. And we're so glad you're healthy again, too, mm-hmm. Brenna. Well, locals in Invermere say he is a national treasure. A 101-year-old veteran is now nearing his goal of walking 101 blocks in the B.C. community. Of course, he's doing it for charity, raising thousands of dollars. Global's Cami Kepke has more on how this veteran is making a difference and when he's expected to reach his goal. At 101 years old, Jim Ashworth isn't content with sitting around. Because of this virus and everything else has happened, everything's changed. And people have got to get together and that's exactly what we're doing. The Invermere BC veteran is closing in on his goal of walking 101 blocks for local charities. The idea came to Ashworth three weeks ago after seeing similar movements take off among veterans in England and Vancouver Island. And while he's never met them, something they have in common struck a chord. It suddenly came up with his uniform that he had the Burma Star. So then this other chap in Victoria took up the challenge and he is another Burma Star guy. So then I'm sitting here and knowing that I, I have a Burma Star, um, 
I thought, well, I better do something. Ashworth walks four blocks a day from his home in the southeastern BC community to a nearby long-term care facility, where he's become something of a local celebrity. We're just cheering you on, Mr. Ashworth. We're so proud of you, all the residents and all the nursing staff. In three weeks, the campaign has raised more than $20,000 for the Columbia Valley Food Bank. Which is... 20% of our annual off-written budget, so that's pretty darn good. It's enough money that Ashworth is not only supporting the food bank, but two other programs as well. The hot meal program, which provides hot meals twice a week to about 120 people in the valley, and also the school SNAP program, because with the schools closed, kids who rely on the schools to provide them with snacks didn't have access to that. Ashworth hopes to walk his 101st block this Saturday, heading from his home to the food bank for a small celebration. It certainly hits me right dead center. I think that's excellent that it worked out so well. But even with one finish line crossed, he won't hang up his runners or stop fundraising. For this Air Force veteran, the sky is the limit. In Invermere, Cami Kepke, Global News. Wow. Is he really 101? I want to check his driver's That's license. Right? His birth certificate. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> Ashworth, you're amazing. Isn't he? Very cool. Well done. All right, let's check in with Christy for a final word on the weather. Christy? Well, the sun is certainly shining right now, but we are expecting increasing cloud overnight. A sprinkle or two tomorrow morning, but back to sunshine in the afternoon, very likely. So not too bad over the next little while, you guys. All right, and still working on the weekend forecast there, obviously. It's a work in progress. We haven't given up hope yet. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Christy. No. That's all the time we have for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Have a good night, everyone.